You're listening to the Haney Company Financial Guy Show. No nonsense, just a crazy mix of life, business, the funny, and of course we're going to talk about your money. But just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. What could go wrong? Welcome to another episode of the Haney Company Financial Guy Show. I am always thrilled with the guests that I have because I'm continuing in the tradition of great guests with Dr. Constance Craig Mason. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am fabulous. I am fabulous. And uh, I know we've been fabulous since we connected down in Florida only a few weeks ago. it both right. seems like a short amount of time. And since I've had some travel since, it also seems like forever ago, but right, definitely, it, it all depends, right? Um, but I don't want to get our conversation going too quickly because there are some critical questions that we have to cover at the beginning of this episode. So let's just get the, the hardest things out of the way first. Mm-hmm. All right. What is the number one destination you want to visit on your bucket list that you have not visited yet? Paris, definitely Paris. Yeah, I was in school and I was in honors French classes from middle school all the way through high school. And now I'm rusty, but I still definitely love everything about the culture and the food and the views. Can't wait to go. That's awesome. Now, have you been to another part of France? I have not been to France okay. at all. Okay, no. so so Paris will knock off both a country and a city at the same time. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I I did get the opportunity right as I was going into high school to go there, and I it's still for me one of the most memorable experiences I've had. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for you when you get a chance to check that off the list. Yay! Hopefully, in the next five years. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, I, I know I, I know you, you'll make a plan and make it happen. So right. I'm excited for you. <laughs> All right. Maybe connected to this, but hopefully not. What food will you not eat under any circumstance? You know, it's funny. I'm going to say sushi. Okay. <laughs> it sounds so weird because a lot of people eat it, but I'm a very finicky eater and I just can't fathom eating sushi. Oh. I know it's no, probably healthy, that, but you know, I'm trying to broaden my horizons, but I don't think I'll be eating sushi though. No, that's, I, you know, it's interesting. I don't think anybody, no guest has said that, but I have had those types of conversations before mm-hmm. and it's, it's, and I don't know if you're in either of these camps, but it seems to fall on either certain parties that just don't like the idea of eating anything raw. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other parties are, it's a texture. Thing. And I don't, I don't know if either of those are, are, are where you're coming from or Very something much else. So. Very much yeah. so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, I didn't even like sh- uh, strawberries until a few years ago because the texture, I couldn't get the idea of like all of those seeds and things. And I just thought it was going to be horrible. So when I was trying to get on my health kick a few years ago, I was like, let me try strawberries because I want to put it in my water and all kinds of things. And it wasn't bad. I was like, you made this big to do about strawberries and they're actually delicious. That's awesome. You're definitely not alone with the texture thing, because I, I know that that is a very real and, and challenging thing, I think, uh, at times. Yes, I'm glad you overcame the strawberries part. I, I love mm-hmm. strawberries. I think our entire family does. So that's awesome. But yeah. OK, no sushi for you. No, no yep. problem there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that'll hurt you when you're in Paris. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm safe. 
in keeping, and I didn't even realize this, but in keeping with, a, 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 I guess, a meal theme, if mm -hmm. you could have dinner with any famous person alive or dead, who mm -hmm. would you want to have a meal with? That was a tough one, but I'm going to go with Oprah. I'm going with Oprah because she knows everyone. She's a huge part of history for a lot of us women in business and seeing how much she has overcome and thrived and how much she gives back. So I would love to just pick her brain and find out, you know, how she was able to get a lot of accomplishments that she's had. And, you know, what were the challenges so that I know how to accomplish, you know, my goals and dreams despite the challenges that come up? I love it. it. She does come up from time to time. And I also think even my own wife put her on her own shortlist. I think, I mean, yeah, just the stories that she has. I mean, you wouldn't, you clearly wouldn't even be able to really scratch the surface in a meal, but I, I, it would be one heck of a meal, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, she knows everyone and people yeah. have given her exclusive interviews that they would say, I will never talk to anyone else about this except you. That's a level of trust that speaking of trust in our industry, like it's, it is the currency that trust, right? And so I love the fact that she's built that over the years. You're so right. Not just our industry, but a lot of people would have a lot to learn about that. Right. Uh, and about how do we embody being worthy of other people placing their trust on us? I think that that's key. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Well, the last one, besides this podcast, of course, which is everyone's <laughs> right. number one, <laughs> what other podcasts have you listened to that you like enough to recommend? Roland Martin. I love his energy. I love the fact that he is highly intelligent and he is always up on current events and advocacy in a lot of areas. And so I find time to plug into whatever he's talking about as often as I can just to learn and grow and not be so self-absorbed and be more interested about what's happening around the world. That sounds awesome. I don't I don't know that I've gotten that recommendation yet. So that's great. We're going to put that on the short list. And at some point, I'm going to have a great compilation of yes. wonderful podcasts that uh, that have come. So thank you for the recommendation. It does it yeah, again, sounds fantastic. You're welcome. So now the fun part. Mm -hmm. We want you to get the chance to tell the audience about yourself because I mentioned before, so I want to I want to also create the right framework. You and I did get the chance to get to know each other a little bit because we had the privilege of being at FinCon this year and being yeah. on a panel together, which was incredible. It was a wonderful experience. I was so grateful to be with you and, and the other panelists. I thought it was just a wonderful time. Yes. So. That was a lot of fun, but you said one of the reasons why you're awesome, I'm not going to take all of them, was that you're known as the dancing finance lady with the funky haircut. That's right. That. <laughs> yes. So, Every time so, I get the opportunity to dance, have fun, I will do that on stage. I will do it virtually. I love it. It creates good energy for everyone. A hundred percent. As somebody who maybe is a kindred spirit in certain personas that I'm pleased to have as the world's most embarrassing dad, <laughs> I will not be dancing oh, for okay. reasons, although that would kind of support that persona. But I, I do want my daughter to not disown me prior to <laughs> her going to college. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to table that for myself. I will let you have all of my pent up dancing energy, though I'm transferring it to you right now. Thank so you've you. Got it. <laughs> not, not that you needed it. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. You know, my daughter has learned that just let her go. Just she'll do it. Maybe I need you to talk to my daughter then. I, we'll see if you can get her over that hump. I, I doubt it. But uh, 
because I'm, right. I'm sure you're a much better dancer than I am. But anyway, um, tell us the rest of the uh, the story though, because because uh, what you do and how you do it is is just a wonderful story. Well, thank you. Well, firstly, I've been in the financial services business for over 13 years. I started out in financial coaching and insurance, and as well as I tell my clients to always pursue personal and professional development, I continue to do the same. So I wanted to kind of be a one-stop shop for my clients in terms of their money management. And so now moving into the space of financial planning and investment management, it's been <clears throat> quite a journey um, to arrive here over time uh, because I am a woman in finance and also a woman of color in finance. And there aren't a lot of opportunities, I will say, um, but I learned to create opportunities for myself and for others to come and sit at the table and to be able to share what we're passionate about, which are a lot of different areas of finance, not just investing. Um, but you know, over the 13 years, I've been able to create my own business, to partner with other financial firms and insurance carriers. So what I'm doing now is uh, financial planning and investment management through Money Concepts. And I also have Concierge Financial Advisory, which is my financial consulting uh, business. That is awesome. Just even before we had a chance to meet, going through, you know, your profile and your resume, I was like that you've done so many amazing things in a, in a short period of time. And like you said, in an industry space that um, isn't always as favorable to every party um, yeah. that's trying to to make headway in success. And before we even get into um, more about I know what a what we want to talk about, but also I want to hear a little bit more about some of the things you're doing in Concierge Financial Group. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to just ask you if you're willing to share a story or two. You know, what are some of those challenges, especially trying to build this type of a practice? Because it's always good for us to learn and be aware of the things that are standing in the way. So that way, what you go through, hopefully, maybe through awareness, mm -hmm. we can we can start to tear down some of those barriers. That's an awesome segue into what we'll begin to talk about um, in terms of what's important to us. So yeah. I grew up in the inner city of Baltimore. Not many people know Baltimore is on the East Coast. And, um, you know, I grew up in poverty. And so financial wellness and financial literacy was not something that I saw growing up. I had to pursue that because I wanted more for my life. And I eventually um, had some young children at a young age. And so I knew early on that I had to be their first example of what life was mm -hmm. like, of what success looked like. And I had no idea what that was. And so I started Googling basic financial needs, basic adulting concepts. And um, right out of high school, I started doing that. And so I tell people who are challenged maybe financially or, and, and trying to figure out what's the best thing to prioritize when they're looking to improve their lives. And I always say that you are your primary and most significant investment ever. You, not a particular company or a particular commodity, but you are that commodity. And so when I had no money to invest in myself, I started Googling things, right? They say that Google is free. <laughs> so I started looking up, you know, how to get a credit card, how to get a bank account, how to save, you know, how to start a business. And I did that all on my own prior to even considering going into business uh, for myself in the financial space. I just wanted to improve my life and my children's life. And once I started seeing those results and actually having people pour into me because they saw the potential, they were like, listen, you're passionate about helping people with money. I see the challenges that you've overcome. Why don't you pursue this 
as a profession or as a business. And I hadn't even thought about it that way. I just wanted to be resourceful and be helpful and be that person I needed when I was a young adult. And um, in January of 2009, I did take the jump and start my financial uh, wellness or financial coaching practice uh, through a company called Primerica. And I always joke and say that they are the boot camp for financial services, okay? Because they taught me everything about reading insurance contracts and even how to read mortgage statements and explain those things to my clients. And so there were lots of aha moments, you know, when I was early in my career with the people I was sitting down with because. I knew if I didn't know those things growing up, there were certain people that also didn't know those things and there was no shame in it. It was just, how can I get better? Every single day we get to choose to be better. And that is how I live my life now. I want to choose to be better, not just for me, but for my children, my husband, for my community, my colleagues, because I'm always looking for ways to help them advance in their careers. So me being mentored into and me then giving back and mentorship to my colleagues is something that's severely important to me. No, that that is awesome. And thank you for sharing that because you're right. And that's part of why we're we're not just kindred spirits and why we've connected in this mm-hmm. area of of impact. But but it's it's also really important to recognize and, and I think celebrate that, you know, when we don't come from a place where we have a framework for success, right. that doesn't mean that success isn't possible. That's and, it. And, and it's, it's, there is someone, hopefully more than one person that is very often willing to come alongside you and help you take those types of steps, something right. that you have absolutely experienced and are now being that person for others and something I know I have experienced in spades as well. Mm-hmm. And so that is just um, wonderful to hear and also wonderful for you to share. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, and let's 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 start to dig in a little bit more on you know we were on this panel together and I, and and the title of our topic was you know uh, are you funding what you're fighting which was talking about aligning our values and our money more strategically and right. so um, you know I, I'd, I'd be interested though to start not maybe where some might expect what do you think this would have looked like for you when you were dealing with financial coaching clients, because I think sometimes before people even get to a place where they're trying to invest or do some bigger things, there's usually a lot of basic steps that need to be taken. So how, how, how might you run somebody through this uh, at a very basic or financial coaching level? Definitely. And so one of the core philosophies that I have is one financial literacy. Mm-hmm. So we, Need to bring people up to speed on the basics. And then, yes, if they already know certain things, we can go into an intermediate level of what money is and how it works and how we can utilize it in this world. It is not uh, the end all be all, but it is a resource for us to improve our lifestyles and the communities that we are part of. So literacy is important. Another thing is financial wellness. So I use those terms, uh, especially in the coaching space together oftentimes because, you know, the CFPB, Uh, defines financial wellness as the ability to be able to take care of your financial obligations now, as well as in the future, Mm -hmm. feel secure about your future, and be able to live the life you want and enjoy it. So it's not just about get out of debt and save and then invest. It's what is that journey like for you, right? There's never an arriving, there's progress, right? We're always looking for progress. 
And so the financial literacy, the wellness piece, you know, a lot of people make good money, they can save, they, you know, aren't overly um, inundated by debt, but are they enjoying their life, right? And are you giving your money a purpose? A lot of people say, give your money a job, but are you giving your money a purpose? And when you're able to do that, it's, it's about more than a rate of return. It's about, okay, yes, I'm investing for legacy and financial independence, but if I am a firm believer in a certain thing or a, co- a cause or I want to see a certain thing happening around me, then how can I not just be about lip service, but how can I put my money towards those things? And yes, if I get the opportunity to have a rate of return, that's just icing on the cake. But I get to allow my money and my legacy and my name to be more about when I pass away and be about what I am representing now. And money can definitely do that. Now, and you you mentioned two things that I wanna pull on that thread a little more because I, I, I like those things and, I, and I'm glad that they are, I think becoming more, I guess for lack of a better way of describing it, mainstream. So the concept of, of certainly the concept of financial wellness, right. uh, you know, that's something that even uh, in our practice, working with employee benefits that we see a lot of, you know, medical uh, insurance providers talking about. It is everywhere and it is so critical. And, and I like the notion of this um, analogy that we create, you know, if we want to be healthy, mind, yeah. body, spirit, right? We can't just deal with one part of that. We have to look at it holistically. And I think that same logic certainly applies, like you mentioned, across that that landscape of, of our money. and. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, I heard this word at uh, a conference recently, and it just hit me. So I want to, I want to put it out there as well, and, and get your thoughts on this. Looking at your money as an ecosystem, mm. where you know there's so many things that come together and coalesce, and it's not just saving or college or debt or all that other stuff. And I also like that term, which I think also lends itself maybe a little bit more in that, certainly in the ESG space and all of that. But, you know, when you talked about this whole concept of, of, you know, really purpose and vision, how do you see some of those ahas starting to come forth when you're working with people? Because um, I'm sure it's not always comes down to, oh, well, I need to make this portfolio change. What are some of the things that you see people really gravitating towards when it comes to that purpose? You know, it seems very basic, but it is significant and it comes down to choice, right? Right, and options as well. So oftentimes I know when I grew up in poverty, I knew nothing about money. I knew nothing about investing, didn't even have any money to invest, right? And so options weren't something that was available to me at that time. So I had to work on myself and I had to pursue options, right? And what that meant was, you know, if I wanted a certain career or if I wanted a certain level of income or if I wanted to send my children to a certain school or even if I wanted to live in a certain neighborhood, you know, there was work behind those goals and those dreams and those desires. And nobody has given us anything, right? In this day and age, you've got to work for what it is that you want to accomplish. And so when I had that mindset of, if it's going to be, it has to be me, right? I have to do something to improve my life. And of course, I have children that are watching me. And so when I'm thinking about choices and options, it puts us in a position to not feel stuck in life. 
You know, there are a lot of things that we feel like we can't control the government, taxes, you know, certain things where we feel like people are making decisions on your behalf. But here's an opportunity where with $5, $100, whatever you have, you can say, hey, with this amount of money, I want to make sure that there's clean air or clean water, or I want to make sure that children get access to higher education and safe spaces or whatever your goals and desires are, you can put your little bit of money or your whole lot of money towards those things. And now, yes, you can say that you're a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. And so oftentimes, especially in the social media space, we have the freedom to say whatever it is that we want, usually. And we can make all kinds of opinions about people's lifestyles and things. But I believe that if we use our money as a tool and as a resource, regardless of how much it is, then you get to be someone who has an opinion because you are actually doing something about what it is that you're frustrated about. No, and that's that's such a great point. And, and I think we should let's let's dig on that a little bit more because I don't think most people regardless of income or affluence, really understand all of those intersecting components to the power you have in making that kind of an impact, right? You get to right. choose, for example, where, where you bank, yes. right? Yes. You know, where you even have a, a, a bank account relationship. Yes. Um, I know that that's one of those things. And then, you know, I think a lot, a lot of attention is clearly paid on investments, Right. Um, we talk about, you know, uh, SRI, socially responsible investing and ESG uh, investing as well. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, you know, we talked about on that panel and I want us to kind of dig into that, that word impact because you've said it very, very well in a couple of different ways. You know, not just that I made an investment choice, but that the choice is to go beyond what I invested and to see the impact. How can how far can I push the envelope and be a participant in change? And right. I think that that's really powerful. Definitely. You know, so some people are familiar with the terms that we were sharing in FinCon, the ESG, SRI, and impact investing, you know, but they don't know what the differences are. They just know it's a conscious way to invest your money. Yeah. Right? It's blanketed as a conscious way or an intentional way um, to put your money towards something important to you. Um, impact investing has the more social, tangible component to it, where these are things that you can literally see progressing, right? And sometimes when we're investing in maybe stock companies or mutual fund companies, we don't always get to see the impact right away, especially um, when we're thinking about what's important to us. But, you know, even our lo local communities, like you were talking about banking, you know, if you want to, you know, put your money into a credit union because you believe in being a member of something, you want to be seen, you want to receive uh, dividends of some sort. You want to feel like you're a part of the community in a way, and you don't want to do big banking, right? So that's a choice that you get to make. You know, you might want to be a part of CDFI institutions. You know, you get to choose where you put your money. It's not just about, oh, did my direct deposit go in on Friday? Like, <laughs> to think about a little bit more than that, right? And um, when we're thinking about putting our money into the stock market, right? You know, hopefully you have an advisor, somebody who can share with you and guide you into the companies that represent what you represent. But oftentimes it's like, you know, with the ESG component, or if you're somebody who believes in human capital development, like I do, everybody has potential mm -hmm. and we want 
see that potential grow. So what are the companies that believe in investing in their employees, right? Or that allow them to have a work-life balance. You know, oftentimes we feel so frustrated about the passions that we have and we go to a certain employer and we put that energy and that effort in, but we don't always feel valued in those spaces sometimes. And so this is, again, a way where we can have our advisors or our investment managers to kind of match up, you know, what's important to us and how we have felt in the world. And we want to make it better for other people. And so, again, your money can do that. So impact investing, ESG, SRI, I don't care what you call it, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you get to choose, right, what you do with your money and the impact that you want to see in this world. Yeah, and, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad you dug into all of those and gave such a good example. And that's that was another thing that I know we mentioned. And I think that it, it, it always bears mentioning that there are a lot of ways someone might go about this because there are a lot of different interests. We might have a lot of different values that, you know, someone might be very, very environmentally conscious where maybe someone else, uh, maybe there's some faith-based things that drive them. And, and, but the good news is because of how far the investing industry has come, there are now a lot of very narrowly defined ways for us to pursue that strategy and be that narrow in how we approach things. And I think that that's really um, good to know that you, you can be very broad if you wanted to. There is, you know, there's now an, an ESG index yeah. or you can be real narrow if there is one particular thing that you say, you know, I, I do feel like my values most closely align with this. And mm -hmm. how can we develop a way to, to represent that and reflect that financially through investments and maybe even other Areas. I think that's, you know, that's, it's a great place for us to be as an industry and as a society. But I also think, um, you know, we, we kind of talked about this. We need to encourage other even professionals in the industry to connect more and understand this so that they can help more, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, I represent uh, the IARFC, International Association for Registered Financial Consultants. And so, when I am considering mentoring people in my space and also sharing with them opportunities to have more visibility and credibility, you know, being not necessarily an expert in the ESG or conscious investing space, but just having these conversations with your clients can help to set you apart because they now know that you are concerned about what they're concerned about. And yes, when they do well, you do well. So you want to have that going, but you want to be able to make sure that as you're building a relationship with your clients as a professional in this space, that they know that you have your own ethics and your own beliefs, and you know that that is important within a portfolio. And you can allow these clients to have aha moments where they might have been looking for, oh, I just want a certain rate of return because my 401k plan is not doing what I think it should be doing. And yes, you want to open up opportunities opportunities for them to have options in and outside of their group plans. And of course, you want to put that in place. You want to implement that if you can. But these kind of conversations around, you know, impact and what's important to a client, I don't feel like all advisors or investment managers actually ask these kind of questions. And so it does allow you um, to stand out. And so if you're part of a broker dealer or, you know, some kind of RIA, and maybe that's not their focus, you know, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have to be your focus as the practitioner in that space. You know, you get to choose how you educate yourself in the conversations that you're having one-on-one, -on -one, 
with your clients. And so, again, we're all looking to be helpful and resourceful, but we're also wanting to build great relationships with our clients and long relationships. And I feel like this is a way to do that. No, it, it certainly is. And and you mentioned something that I also want to make sure that should get mentioned again. There's, I think, a misconception that, well, two misconceptions. Number one, that values-based investing is a fad. Mm. And I, I think just very candidly and matter-of-factly, we, we have so much metadata that supports that that's not true, that it, A, has been around for multiple decades, well below before the 60s. I mean, this is not new. Mm -hmm. um, this is just really something that I, that clearly has accelerated across the landscape more pervasively, um, right. but it's not a fad. So it, it, it's not going to be gone tomorrow. But the other one that I think is really good for everyone, both professionals and just, you know, clients, investors, what have you should hear is that the notion that you have to trade profits for your principles, and that's not true either, is it? It's not. No. Yeah. No. There's there's so many now. Like we were talking about um, track records of success and or ways to be strategic within a particular, you know, values based framework that will still allow you to be financially rewarded for doing so. That that in fact, there's a lot of data that supports the better a company is in some of these areas the more profitable they are as well. What a, what a shocking concept that if you're good to you know people and the environment and you run a, an ethical business, you're actually rewarded financially for that as well. What a wonderful mm -hmm. <laughs> truth to be able to embrace, you know? Absolutely. And again, it takes, you know, professionals like ourselves that understand that there is a tie between doing good and doing well. <laughs> and yeah. when you do the right things for the right reasons, you're going to benefit from that in whatever way is important to you, I believe. Um, we talk about uh, the SRI aspect and how it's more of the ethical component or consideration mm -hmm. for people. Um, I've often seen where they'll say, oh, like sin stocks, right? So people get to screen in and screen out mm -hmm. uh, things in their portfolio or companies that um, have certain things in certain you know areas that you might not want to be a part of, you know, those things could be like alcohol or guns or cannabis, adult entertainment, whatever, right? I'm not saying any of those should or should not be in there, but everybody has their own perspective on these things. And if you're able to say to your advisor or your investment manager, hey, you know, I really feel strongly about X, then maybe they can pursue those companies that also feel strongly about that. Or if you're like, listen, I don't want no parts of this here, you know, then we can make sure that that's not represented um, in your portfolio. And so I love, love, love that we get to have these conversations because that's what life is about, right? It's how you set yourself apart in your family, in your community, how you're the one that, you know, people can rely upon for good information, because you are walking the talk. You are someone who believes in, in good things and your money is also a way that you can reflect that. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I wanna, uh, as we wind down, I wanna get a couple of practical things uh, done. What is a, a good either first step or a couple of first steps that you think people might want to start to go to? Let's say that something about this really does resonate. Mm -hmm. Where can somebody maybe start in their journey towards, you know, aligning and assigning purpose, vision and value to their financial world? 
Yeah, you know, one of the basic core values that I believe in, I talked about it earlier, was literacy, you know, financial wellness, but another one is financial clarity. And financial clarity comes down to, of course, knowing your numbers, your your tangible numbers, your net worth, your assets, you know, your credit scores, all of those things, but also the clarity around what is important to me. Maybe these are conversations that you can have with your spouse or that you can have with your family around, you know, what's important to our family. You know, what do we feel strongly about? And once you become clear about what you feel strongly about, that's when if it comes down to your banking, you can start looking in your local communities around what banks uh, represent or give you opportunities to uphold what you say you believe in. You know, also with your portfolio, if you don't have an advisor, you know, you can seek out one that specializes in impact investing if that is now what you want to be intentional about. Um, but then also asking around, you know, because people who have advisors and they stick with them for years, you know, maybe you can get a referral to someone who you trust and you trust their opinion. And then you start to make those calls to see if you can have someone that will help you align your values with your money. And, um, you know, and then just go from there. There are communities as well um, of investors that believe in certain things. Um, I know Better Investing um, has a community with that. So again, we can go out here and just have conversations with and without advisors where in the community, you can link up with people who have a certain mindset around just more than our rate of return. And I believe it will definitely make you feel good on the inside. Um, but again, it will also allow you to say, I have a legacy that I'm building now before I pass away. Now, of course, we want to leave our children and our grandchildren well off. We want them to start out with something great and not have to struggle like some of us did. But, you know, it starts with you and you get to live it out and experience it and then leave something significant for them. Now, I love that all, all the way from starting with clarity to moving to community. Mm -hmm. and, and frankly, something I know we talked about, right? Don't just go it alone, lock arms with other people. You are always better when passion becomes a shared passion and you get more people uh, involved or connect with a community that's working on the same issues and has the same goals and passions. And I think that that's, again, the, the power of this. And, and, and really, that's where we go back to that conversation about impact and seeing how far we can move the needle and, and not waiting till we pass on or assuming we have to pass the torch to somebody else. Like being able to know it can happen. It can start today. I can see things tangibly in my lifetime and that should hopefully get everybody excited about this. Absolutely. We all want to feel empowered in our lifetime and Oftentimes we feel stifled if we don't have access to a lot of money, whatever a lot of money is. But, you know, you can take what little you have, you know, and make it make sense, make it make sense for you, for your household and for the people that you love. So, you know, if I can dig myself out of a rut, you know, of being a young, struggling single mom and knowing that even I can have impact and positivity in my life and in my world, you know, that is contagious. You know, that story of I can make something of myself, I can show my children and my children's children what's possible when you're intentional about improving your life and not being so self-absorbed that it's all about you, but that it's about the people around. I know the pandemic really shed a light on whether or not we were so super self-absorbed 
if we could really care about our neighbor, the person standing next to us in the line or the person at the airport, that we would be willing to wear a mask or we would be willing to get a vaccine or whatever it would take to make sure we're all safe. I feel like it shed a light um, in a way we didn't expect, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like I've become better for it. I feel like I've become more empathic and more concerned about others. And I feel like that was one of the good things that came out of this last two and a half years. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I I, I think we've had, I, I certainly in my own family, I feel like we've had a similar type of experience like you were describing, you know, all the things that, it, you know, it's so easy to have really significant things happen even on a global scale and kind of start to just point to all the things that we don't like or all the problems that we see that's easy to do absolutely and in fact frankly the the news media and a lot of the channels that we already engage with already do it for us in spades mm -hmm. but but i think there that you know it, it does then give you the opportunity for reflection and to step back and to be able to find you know, silver linings, but also take all of these things and say, well, you know what, I may not like X, Y, and Z, but I still have that personal responsibility to be able to do something about it. And what does that look like for me? What does that look like for my family? What does it look like for my neighbors, my community? And I, I completely agree with you. I think that's such a great approach. And then like we're talking about carrying that all the way through our, our entire financial ecosystem in life and, yeah. uh, man, you know, what an opportunity we have right now. What an mm -hmm. opportunity. I agree with you. So um, how can people get a hold of you if they want to uh, connect, if they want to grow with you, if they want to work with you? How can people get a hold of you? Thanks, Brian. So I am all over social media, all your typical platforms. Uh, my handle is at C. Craig Mason, which is my name at C. Craig Mason. I also have a webpage uh, for the financial planning and investment management side, which is moneyconcepts.com forward slash C. Craig Mason. Um, and for financial consulting, I have a bit.ly page. So bit.ly forward slash C. Craig Mason F.A. Awesome. Well, I will make sure not only that, that we reinforce those, but we'll have those in the show notes and we'll be able to distribute those out to everybody. Thank <laughs> you so much for joining me today. This was a fabulous continuation of our, of our time together. And, and I hope that uh, we'll, we'll keep it going as well in the future. Thank you for having me, Brian. I, I loved it. And I want to do more with you in the future. So looking forward to that. Awesome. Well, well then we will just mark that as a TBD for next time. Absolutely. The information provided in this podcast is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. The Haney Company, its employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are encouraged to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant as the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicatory of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Brian Haney is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated and an investment advisory representative of Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated, and securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC.